<laughs> I, I was tired of the bullshit in the digital industry and the like saying this and is Mark what goes way back with like <laughs> this this industry of like yeah. having to deal with everybody when he founded two filter and being around every one of the original Hyped. web oh, series yeah. Oh, yeah. filmmakers and everything so like it's just it's never stopped and like and I think that we finally hit I think the absolute like climax of it with last year with the defies and the super deluxes yeah. like that was just like okay can we all be honest about what we all are and we actually probably could have gotten farther along at this point if we were all honest the whole time in this episode we talk with rafi fine and mark kusevet they both lead one of the most successful studios creating entertainment on youtube rafi and his brother benny are founders of fine brothers entertainment which operates three successful channels the fine brothers the fine brothers 2 and react mark kusevet was recently appointed ceo of fbe and mark has an impressive record in establishing and managing other digital first companies such as tube filter the streamy awards and super gravity pictures this is Creative Disruption, the intersection where entertainment, data, and creativity meet. Here's your hosts, Ricky Ray Butler and Daryl Leaves. Welcome back to the Creative Disruption, where we literally try to find the most creative people that are actually disrupting the industry. I'm really excited for today's guest because I've watched their stuff for a very long time and I'm very entertained by it. But before we get into it, Ricky... Hey, how are you doing? Are you doing good? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, <laughs> Thanks for asking. I appreciate <laughs> well, it. I just wanted to see how you're doing, you know. <laughs> but, you know, today I was like actually reading an article on Article 13. So an article on oh, Article that, 13. That's a, that's a delightful topic to start I, with. Well, we got to have some discussion to start this uh -huh. out. Like, what, what's your thoughts on it? Well, I think it's going to make well, a first lot off, of... Like, people probably don't know what Article 13 is. Yeah, and how it give, us, that. give a quick summary. Basically, it's a European law that is going after some fair use and some other things, and it's going to really make it hard for people to actually do memes, yeah. which I really think is going gonna, is gonna to create World War III. Do memes as well <laughs> as it can affect the video uploads and... and, 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 and it can affect a whole lot of things. No, absolutely. Uh, like, and, and my, like the, the coming generation, like generation Z, I really do believe this. It's like, they're very meme driven. Mm -hmm. And if you take away that it's, they're going to throw a tantrum. It, mm. Have you ever seen a well, generation Z throw a tantrum before? <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> I think, I think you can find a couple every day on Twitter. <laughs> well, so my honest opinion is it's going to get a lot of politicians unelected and, and, and rightfully so. And I think a lot of it, I mean, is being inspired by those that probably do not understand technology or the platforms and, 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 you know, the value, um, you know, being able to do those kind of things online and, um, on YouTube or, or Tumblr or, or all the different um, platforms. I, I, I personally think it's ridiculous and I don't think we'll start World War III. Oh, I, 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 no, dude, I think people, I think people are going to get educated and, and they're going to understand how media is different today than it was, you know, 50 years ago. <laughs> And and um, they're going to be changing the tune really quickly. I think they're probably starting to. I, I hope be, so. Because there's been so much hate around this. I, I think they're just going to be forced to educate themselves and hopefully pivot into a different direction. Well, I, I watched the Senate hearings with, mm -hmm. with Sundar, with Google, and also Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> and some of the questions yeah. that was coming out of the politician's mouth. So, I'm like, uh, I got this phone here. And, and if I go over there with It's the, an iPhone. And if I go over there, can you track me? Can you, can you, track, can you track me? Like... <laughs> <laughs> we elected these guys. I don't even know what state that guy was from. So, 
But anyway, I, you know, there's a lot of dynamics. And I think, um, I think one of the main issues um, when new technology and platforms and creatives come in, it really disrupts the industry. It disrupts laws because like, there's, there's new things happening now that never happened before. Like right, right now, uh, you have people that are suing Fortnite because of the dance, social dance. And there's like a law back in 1976 that says, look, social dance is okay and you can copyright law, but where is the lines? I think a lot of this will be defined. Um, and I do believe, I do believe that there will be a revolt if you take away memes from people. Like I, I got teenagers, I got kids, I'm telling you, it's like that is their life. Like they create memes every day. They're creating memes for their friends. They're using it there. And you take away that ability, that's going to cause a lot of very angry teenagers, which is oh, going to yeah. cause a lot of angry parents from my perspective. Oh, well, it's going to cause a lot more than just angry teenagers. I think I think all demographics love memes. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, well, I, maybe, maybe I mean, not. Maybe I not like the, memes. Well, that's <laughs> actually fatal. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but no um, – no, I, no, I agree. I think, I mean, I think this is going to be a harsh lesson for a lot of leaders to learn, um, and and hopefully, you know, hopefully they're not stubborn and keep fighting this because it, it could get it could get. Well, it's going yeah. where the money the money's yeah. trying to dictate. Hey, you know, we're losing control over this with news and so on and so forth. Let's kind of lock it down, and and you know, they're they're persuading politicians. They have lobbyists. Um, mm-hmm. I truly believe the new creatives out there need lobbyists too. It's just like sure. really at the end of the day, there's a lot of things that are transforming and the old way of doing things should be left in the dust, mm-hmm. like left behind because. See, this is the thing is I would assume like Facebook and Google and, and like Tumblr should be able to afford more lobbyists. These, <laughs> <I know. laughs> you know, tr- traditional like media, media groups, but. I'm probably right. And yeah, maybe wrong. when they're talking to the politicians, yeah. they just don't communicate it very well because they don't yeah. understand technology or something. Right, right. Well, I, I'm really excited for today's guest because um, one of – basically some of their content is some of the best I've ever seen online. I actually um, – it, it's one of those that gets you to laugh and laugh and laugh again and share their content. Um, one one thing is is I, I actually have a personal story with them and I don't even know if they know this. Okay. Not. But is it okay for me to act like I'm oh. here at this point? No, 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 you're not act, you don't act. Here. It's like <laughs> they, they, and I'm like, but I'm, I'm right here. <laughs> but it's a good way, a good segue. To Thanks, Ravi. But I worked on a project where uh, this this group that called uh, Studio C um, actually had an amazing video of Incredible. a bully going and getting hit in the face. Scott like, Sterling. That's right. That's right. <laughs> And it was so amazing. And, and uh, the Fine Brothers reached out and says, hey, we want to do a reaction video. And that, that actually did quite a bit for us. So that, that's who we have on today's the, the FBE Fine Brothers. And uh, do you want to do a little intro? Yeah, yeah. So FBE, super excited to have you know, the CEO, Mark, here and you know the co-founder, Rafi, here. Yeah. And now, um, now you can talk, Rafi. All right. <laughs> Sweet. Those are now in existence. Yay. <laughs> but, you know, um, no, I, I go back, you know, a bit um, um, with these guys as well. I used to claim that I was their first, you know, um, subscriber, brand deal, <laughs> brand integration, or brand collaboration. Um, but I think we're actually number like three or two. Very, it's very close. It's okay, very close. it's very, it's very close. close. But I mean, it is it, with I think like Just Dance too. We did a Just and Dance it, video that like still was when Benny and I were still uh, in videos here and there. And so did you that, even have a team back then? 
No, not really. Like, I mean, when we would do something for Comedy Central or we would do mm -hmm. something for a break or different websites and different platforms, uh, then we would hire people to work with. But other than that, we were doing something like that for the YouTube channel, especially when it was more in the infancy of YouTube channels. It was, you know, what team? Back then, yeah. there was that was not the idea of what you were able to do is hire enough people back then. Oh, how many people do you have today? Well, I'll be the suit here. <laughs> sure. The We've sweater. 82 sweater. people at FB, all in Burbank. Actually, we have one in New York. Yeah. So we have one salesperson in New York. Yeah. 81 in Burbank. It's quite now, now, when yeah. you first started this and you started creating videos on YouTube and, you know, uploading them, did you ever in your right mind think that, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have 82 employees that are going to depend on me? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's an amazing gift to now be in that position to be able to employ people and such. Uh, but originally, originally, it, 82 people, but maybe that was going to be for a feature film we're doing. You know, 82 people for a TV show that we're working on. Not our own business and operation that was going to have 82 people. If it was going to maybe become a production company, you have a few people working for you. Right. Then you scale up, you scale down. The goal was never to have uh, a running 24-7, always on, 365, nonstop, making 20 videos a week to, you know, sur like survive on this crazy internet and disrupting on how it all works. But that was not the original idea. No, I don't think anybody really understood that it was going to become the supplier of jobs and supplier of art and creativity that it is today. You know, I, I work with a lot of creators and some of these people are literally killing themselves because they don't build a team. The burnout. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's so real. It's so real. That burnout is so real. Yeah. It's, hard, it's hard for most, I mean, it's not as big of a deal now, but I remember like three years ago, it was hard for most to have a freaking editor. <laughs> well, no, it, even today it is. like, yeah. like I still have the conversations they, with people where oh, they just really? don't. It, they, wow. it is it's, so bad. It's a weird, it's, it's like, uh, I think it's part of the the fear of being a ceo fear of being a business owner and a manager like you have to actually manage people it's like it all of a sudden you're stepping into a different area of creativity that like is not as easy for people to understand how to lead right. when i think the art that naturally gets created on youtube and twitch and snapchat is a singular person and so the idea that then they have to figure out how to do it with more than just a singular person is not necessarily the first thing that they're good at. Right. Um, so they're fearful of that. And then the authenticity thing is still the major part where they think that the audience isn't going to want them to have a team. Oh, well, they'll notice a difference if, right. if they do have a team. There's something going to be gone from the, you know, the juju, the magic, right? And it's just like, just stop. Just be honest with everybody. Right. They're all going to be thrilled for you. Right. And we've had this conversation nonstop and help people build their teams for years now. So for me, I like to always figure out what's the first, you know, first employee, like who, who do you bring on first? I know, I know a lot of creators want to bring on an editor. I wouldn't necessarily agree that that's the best thing to do. I might, it might be for their sanity down the road, you know, to have a really good editor that's there, but literally someone that can assist them, an assistant mm -hmm. that can run and do all the little errands and check email and respond to people, all that other stuff. Like some of these creators, they actually need someone to manage them and their time. And, and that would actually free up a lot more uh, bandwidth for creativity and so on. But like, what was your, who was your, like, what position was your first hire? What was you looking for? See, it, it's, it, it dives into two different things because in a way it's like, um, we had a different kind of situation of when we were going in and hiring into a actual being a company really for the first time, which is part of the YouTube channel 
the YouTube 100 channel initiative. Yeah. Um, so that was allowing that was us to make- a long time ago. Long time ago. And that was when yeah. we opened an office. Cause it was pretty much like we were making a TV show with my music, which is what my beanie is. Yeah. And uh, that was making a TV show. So we, just like a TV show, we scaled up to have an office. So that was realizing we were gonna have a bunch of money in the bank, having to actually like, you know, be a corporation and who do you hire first? And that became a really trusted, almost like businessy partner, producer to that you could trust with all the money. Right. <laughs> that anybody else that's gonna come on, it's somebody that you're like, hey, all this stuff's gonna be going on, but you're another person that we can like totally let in confidentially into everything. So that was, it was a unique situation. The, whenever somebody says, you know, any YouTuber that we're talking with and they're confused about what they should do, we always say that it's one of three people. It's a editor, an assistant, or a producer. Yep. And it depends what's going on with you specifically of which one you need the most. And everybody has almost been a different person that we've advised them to be like, okay, you need an editor. And the editor has usually been the save yourself time position. <coughs> right. You're, even if you save yourself one hour in your day or in your week, hire the editor because some of these people, when they are making enough money, of course, save yourself time more and more. That's where the burnout comes from is just save an hour, save another hour, save another hour, hire people to save you hours. And usually a lot of people need that a lot yeah. more. And, but and, they do, and they do need a system to communicate with the editor too, because like, you know, the, the creators that go out and, hey, we shoot this four-hour video, send it over. There needs to be a good way to communicate with tools. And what I love, um, I don't know if you guys use this, but Frame.io, I love mm -hmm. that. It, it's just so amazing because they can actually uh, export files and you can communicate via either um, uh, Final Cut or Premiere and get very specific moments in it of what you need to change in that application. And I can do it on my mobile phone. Like I was actually doing it before you guys got here. Mm -hmm. And what's great is then I don't even have to, I can watch the video, say, oh no, you wanna change this. Uh, I can circle things and do all that other stuff. It's great. Um, it should be a sponsor. Is this a live read? It was sounding like a live read. Wow. That was a minute read right there. Work, work yeah. on that read. Right? Work on that. No, but let me finish the question. Yeah. but. Um, so they need tools. Like, what was the, like some of the systems that you put in place? Like, when you bring mm -hmm. people on, how are you creating systems? Because oh, eighty-two, like seriously, eighty-two employees. There's so many processes. That, that you have it's, to create yeah. processes. If you don't have processes, I mean, you want to speak to when you came into the company. Yeah. And like, that's always something that's always made me feel like vindicated by like anybody that's come on that's from a higher echelon of like their own companies and what they've accomplished and I'm a fan of theirs and I'm interested. Okay, Mark's coming on to this team. I've been a huge fan of his. What does he think about our processes? And he came oh, in. <laughs> I mean, absolutely remarkable. First of all, I had to, like, it was like day one, come on as a new CEO. I had to go get FBE certified. I couldn't have <laughs> access to the analytics until I got FBE certified. I, you know, like I did audience. I'd already been YouTube certified years ago. Uh, I realized there's a whole new way of doing these massive like features. I'll be honest, I did not fully know existed or, or used. How to utilize them. Like, they're like power users of yeah, some of yeah. the, the tools within YouTube. And I later found out they exist because FBE was the squeaky wheel that really to this day, sure. we We're always pushing all the platforms of like, do you not realize this feature, how much everybody would love you if you just built this just one tool one so thank every you. time? We're so always doing that. Because I love the tools. So. <laughs> <laughs> not all of them. Just there's definitely a few that we don't, we, we, we don't officially you, you can't credit. say. Thank yeah. you. Right. If we unpack, like seriously, what got FBE out of being, because the, the, I mean, it's a single heart. I've seen this a lot with small creator-founded 
media companies, which is really what this is. And I think there's this whole class now that we're, that really when you sort of post MCN world, because all the all the capital, and again, just to be the suit here, all the capital went into the these these either big fancy media ideas, ideas that like people who fell out of TV were going to create a vertical in this thing and they're going to you know, spend a lot of money, very sort of top down, and then eventually figure out how to make short form video. Uh, and then, of course, the aggregators of the MCNs raised a whole lot of capital, but really passing through all those dollars. Well, underneath all that, who actually many of them who never raised any money and were profitable all along, were companies like FB. And no one really talked about them in the same way. It's or just, knew that they were really the reason that the MCNs were valuable. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> the MCNs weren't actually doing much. <laughs> that, that could be a whole podcast <laughs> yeah. in itself. How but, much I hate MCNs. <laughs> but I'll, I, really, it is. It is, it is a, uh, there's a couple of things that make the company really special. One of them is process. Like, the, really, the two brothers understood the power of process and the importance of process to down to really specific checklists about how things are made, efficiency of time. I and mean, it goes back to the origins in their apartment. They literally had each wall was a different set and they just turned the camera. Or they, you could call Benny's room. Yeah, it was just Benny's room. And it's still, that, that DNA never left because there never was this, there was never raised any outside money. There wasn't this like, we need to artificially grow. Everything was a deliberate choice. Uh, anyways, it, it's really remarkable. I think it probably a lot of it has to do with Benny working for Disneyland or Disney World yeah. for for ten years. It was like uh, we we've had we have a uh, knack for this stuff, but like a lot of the things that we even instituted uh, to this day are like a variety of different management policies and the way that you handle or uh, you know employees or the way you uh, you just have across the board policies are like oh yeah that's like Disney orientation you know right. like because he worked there for ten years at Disney World. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That was his past life. What, that's the thing is, <laughs> systems and processes is really what sets creative free. I mean, it's really what makes it so you can scale it, makes yeah. it so you can grow it. We're having struggles around that, though, at the same mm. time, because there's su- process is great, but uh, I think that maybe you need the right you know, type the of... creativity? Yeah, to allow for freedom of creativity. Yeah. I think that some people end up getting a little... Uh, comfortable with process Mm -hmm. that they don't feel like they need to ever break out of the mold or keep things fresh they're like well the process works this is how we get the video views this is how we checked off i did all the things right now i don't have to do anything it's not no creativity is always bubbling always boiling like you're always needing to come up with more stuff and even right now we're kind of doing that with the team and helping them i think that that's part of like coming up with how do you build processes for refreshes and re-anchoring and so that you don't just keep in the hamster wheel forever so is that are those 20 videos you guys create a week is that is that specific to youtube or is that including youtube facebook and other platforms currently it's a it's a focus of like we always think about it where's the centralized point and youtube is still the centralized point and then everything kind of spits out to everything else from creating on YouTube, which is pretty much at this point creating mini TV shows fully, because right. everything's 11 minutes average on YouTube right, at wow. this point. And when you look at hot ones or anything, they're at averaging 22 minute format. Like right. it's literally across, you're seeing people make 22 minute formats on YouTube. They're the biggest things on the platform. Even Shane Dawson, of course, making 40 minute episodes. <laughs> right. well, yeah, He's making hours. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mentioned this to you before, like, you know, you know yeah, the podcasts yeah. that are like two hours. Right. Oh, yeah. right. You know, and, Even and, before and that, right? Uploading yeah. every week. I, I mean, yeah, the long form content is really starting to perform really well. Yeah. 
on YouTube. Before YouTube existed, we were just viral all the time with a bunch of content. To this day, I think people don't know that that was like, oh, that was the same people that now do this. We were making that thing 14 years ago that went viral. They don't even know who made it. Uh, but it was then as an audience started to show up was when all of a sudden it was like, oh, you can make things longer because they're actually here. They're actually coming back. And YouTube was an amazing resource for that of building a process where people came back that it wasn't your own website and this subscribe button that I got obsessed with. I started watching YouTube really early and just was like, I don't know what's happening, but when we're featured on college humor <laughs> and break.com and heavy.com and every, we were on hundreds, hundreds of websites every week being featured with our content. But all of a sudden when it was on YouTube, people hit this button and then they came back and they yeah. watched another video of yours. And it was like, what's happening? <laughs> you guys are so old school. Yes. It was the iTunes like video podcasting and YouTube yeah. that were the two places that like, you know, when you go back, that's like the Tiki Bar TVs on uh, video podcasting, Ask yeah. a Ninja, like. Oh, I remember Ask a Ninja or Hope is Emo. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and that's yeah. even where Zay Frank came out of too. Uh, right. Like, and, and we actually talked recently about like Zay thinking about how Zay was another created creator founder type yeah. that got into BuzzFeed and look what was able to happen thanks to a creator founded person. But usually Benny and I, we were at maker and helped build maker, but we decided to leave maker and start our own thing. But you had these different people, Phil DeFranco, mm -hmm. maker, Shane Dawson, maker. We've right. all helped found that company in different ways. So you have these people of like Rhett and Link and their company or theorist media with MatPat, like, but we all haven't ended up inside of like what Zay ended up doing over at being inside of BuzzFeed. And so it's interesting of what would have happened with each of us if we would have just been inside of other companies. Right. Who knows? <laughs> so like, um, and this is a question for both of you, but um, there are big social media firms and stuff that have hundreds and thousands of, you know, employees that are working, you know, like Disney's and, you know, Viacom, stuff like that. Yeah. Like your, your company, is going head to head with a lot of the the you know the same people like from, from just views generally or yeah. from going after brands or both. going at, I yeah. Mean, okay. both. Yeah. I mean I, you bring a, a unique perspective like how is it you're competing with someone that mm -hmm. has a lot more dollars and a lot more resources look I, having having seen sort of all sides of this when you have too much capital your efficiency goes out the window right mm -hmm. you're, you're not you're not thinking about bat shooting you're not thinking about opportunities like well, I have this talent coming in today I can get five videos out of them in three hours as opposed to a more traditional mindset is like oh I just need to shoot the thing and then they're yeah. gone yeah. and and I there's 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 real sort of uh, habits that have been built in out of necessity of survival into the FBE way of doing things um, that some people, by the way, thrive in this and some people don't. So I, I'll, I'll say, of course, like we, of course, we compete, and you'll see the YouTube trending list today where you've got Condé Nast doing some incredible. There's the, like there's create really creative work there. They they no longer are sort of this stodgy publisher. There's like really power YouTube behavior going on there, uh, but at the same time, I think we're doing it a lot more efficiently. I think we we can be more nimble. Because we don't have the, the, you don't have quite the same legacy brand concerns or advertiser concerns um, to go through. Yeah. There's just like yeah. how many more levels of hierarchy do you have compared to like, yeah, we're building, we're 82, and so there we have levels of hierarchy. But man, we can just walk down the hallway and be like, hey, I'm doing this. It's like, <coughs> all right, no problem. You know, we can get past it really fast compared to 
Viacom that's going to have to obviously go through a lot more to make the content the way that we're able to shift and move and get approval to move and shift budget and it's such less to be able to just go out there and just do it. That's yeah. one of our main, and I think that when you're talking about something like Article 13 and memes generally and whatever, I think that there's a connection that, uh, at least for now, but you are starting to see the various companies are starting to have people grow up with them that understand Gen Z, understand millennial behavior, understand right. the next generation alpha or whatever it's going to be called after sure. Gen Z. Mm-hmm. What are they? What are we calling it? I don't even know what it's called. Al- alpha? <laughs> I heard Alpha. claim that one. Yeah. I, I heard that. I didn't know. Alpha? That's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Has it happened yet? Uh, but I think that at least for this whole period of time, and I think the culture that we're continuing to make sure that we have is that we under will un- always understand what's happening in culture for young people, but also for anybody that's going through every change that's happening inside of just life and right. how we're utilizing entertainment. So we've been able to stay really ahead of understanding what people want out of their content. Sure. That's why, at least for now, but I totally understand that I'm excited by the continued convergence of that and the synergies that will come from it, that old media is not going to be old media. We're all going to be all the same media, yeah. but we have to be yeah. smart of how we stay on top of it and don't become Old the media. old people old, and the old yeah. media. Because you guys were sounding, you know, you started like memes. It's like, yeah. don't st- start sounding old. We all like, we have to stay on top of it. Like, <laughs> we don't want to. Take note. We I'm have, telling you right now. We have World to War not III. sound old. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Like, the two worlds are colliding. And I think a lot of that yeah. is because of the different, like, OTT platforms or um, S5 mm-hmm. platforms like Netflix mm-hmm. and Amazon Prime. Um, everything is going digital. I mean, I mean, everyone's becoming a cord cutter. And specifically with like the influencer community with a lot of these other streaming platforms, there's a lot of back and forth happening where, you know, there's, you know, companies like Overbrook that are creating Cobra Kai. And then, you know, there's creators that are creating Netflix series. And that's, and that's, and and it seems like this is really colliding more now than, than, than ever before. And it is really one industry, which I think is great. I think it's good for everyone. Um, the stigma point, still exists, but it's still, still exists. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, you know, people are always assuming that, you know, you know, FBE or, or other, you know, creators that, that are huge out there, that, that it's just a small group of people recording and when it's really a sophisticated company. My question is, how do you continue to evolve with your audience as well as um, being relevant to new audiences that start, you know, coming of age and um, looking for new content? Because it's kind of like two different strategies, right? Yeah. I mean, and and even trying to understand what your brand is ongoing to understand it. Because we have at various points been thinking about how to go out there and find new audience and which type of new audience to try to find. And then you end up realizing just generally of like, what is your brand overall? Because you start realizing of like, yeah, you could extend into this or ascend into that. But then what are you becoming? What are you trying to be versus making sure that you stay to what you are, because if you don't, you're also going to lose your current audience if you're trying to veer off too far to something else. One of the biggest sort of bright spots this fall for me was our launch on Snap, and was that we we took two of our shows, and they weren't Mm -hmm. React. It was Do They Know It and Try Not to Laugh, Laugh, basically. And we, we did no promotion of Snap, not really. Like, it wasn't like throw your audience there. We put There were two Discover shows, and both of them, right out of the gate, Try not to a little more than do they know it, but both of them incredibly strong. The numbers are, you're getting like maintaining uniques in the millions throughout it. And, and Snap telling us you guys have some of the longest 
uh, view durations of anyone uh, of the discovered shows. And so, and we've oh, wow. now increased our output and more is coming on that front, but it's an entirely new audience. They're subscribing. Uh, yeah, it's like, like getting like a million subscribers wow. just and on that show. And they're on young now. and wow. they're, it's, yeah. it's a little more female. We're actually like a little bit more male on YouTube and now it's like mm -hmm. 60% female on Snap. And they're, they're young and all these people now are, what they're subscribing to is try not to laugh and do they know it. And there's thought, there's a little bit of we like a FBE little FBE in there here or there, but that's but, not the name that they know. And yet. that was to me really inspiring. And, and I was like, cause this isn't just, we haven't just figured out this great funnel on because of legacy YouTube and really understanding that platform. It's actually the programming is good and mm -hmm. it keeps people engaged because we're hitting topicality. We're bringing in celebrity talent as well as top digital talent, as well as our own 200 plus um, React, we call it React talent, or just FBE talent, talent yeah. pool, which are, and, and keeping and refreshing that and keeping it fresh. So it's, uh, and, and I, a second point to this I'll say is that like the brand is not limited to Benny and Rafi. Yeah. And a long time ago, they made a tactical decision not to be the face of the company. That's amazing. And that was really so The shows yeah. are, or the, the, it really, it's like a television network, it, it, almost exactly in the sense of, we talk about even the talent is, that would be if we're making our holiday commercial that's like, thank you from NBC. It's like, <laughs> that's what we kind of have from our talent that are in all of our shows and whatever. It doesn't feel, it's all these different shows with all these different people that you like to watch and you know you connect with and they're a mirror of like society. That's kind of how we build it out to, so that we're covering all walks of life that people can relate to. So it allows for a very interesting wide net and like capture of all broad people that want to come and watch this and then i think the next step for the company in a lot of ways is to start figuring out like how do you allow for it's okay great we have this nice broad aspect of people that are always watching and interested in watching new content and new shows but how do you then find who you end up putting a new ripple in there and say do you guys like this and do you, is this part of the demo and this part of the people that watch us like this okay cool well why don't you all go over here and start you know starting on a new channel with this new brand and this new thing because we can't get too specific right now. And that's actually almost a right. limitation of how broad and the way that the algorithms work on YouTube mm -hmm. and Facebook, that the more that you get specific, the more that it damages the rest of your broad appeal and the algorithm doesn't like that and it stops sending it out to a certain amount of your people. Oh, yeah. Oy vey. We've gone <laughs> algorithms for a very long time. Yeah, it's fun. that's another um, hour. <laughs> I, I, I want to take a step back uh, because I think a lot of people that are watching this are, you know, creating content or they're marketing the content from there. <clears throat> um, you brought up a really good point, and I think it was an aha moment in my career is seeing batch producing, batch shooting, right? Um, I, I was with the Studio C, the same one that did Scott Sterling, and it was the first time I watched in two hours that they did 14 actual videos wow. that were done awesome. and i'm like holy cow like this no it did it, it mind blown blew, it, it blew my mind and i'm like we've been doing this all wrong like everyone's just trying to get one video one video it's like how can you actually do bat shooting and i think a lot of people that are facing uh, creative burnout right now if they just learned that one principle they probably would have a better life. I, I could tell you like, uh, so you, when YouTube used to build a playbook every year and they re would revise the playbook every year, uh, we were in there with a few different things. But one of our main ones that YouTube was always loving and wanting us to always speak on was batch shooting. Like the idea that we, we one of our mottos even when we, that, uh, when we were running Maker was 
we're not, and nobody's allowed to come up with an idea that we can't shoot three in a day of. So it always was saying three in a day. Is it a three in a day? And if it's not a three in a day, we shouldn't do it. So even to this day, React and things are three in a days. Like you, we, and sometimes we make it into a five in a day for that, or they split off and go shoot. Do they know it also? And try not to laugh and a gaming episode and whatever. But we need, uh, if it's an adult React shoot, it needs to be three in a day. And then that's the thing that we brought to a lot of different people. So like anybody that was involved in Maker during that time, that's what we were doing with Kasim G and Shay Carl and on the station. Uh, on the station, right. yeah, it was like, and always coming up with these formats that were like that. But then we started, we taught Shane Dawson about bat shooting and how he had to do that for some of his shows. Like Shane Dawson and Friends was the first time that he bat shot and we directed it for him. And then we started teaching people like Rosanna Pensino or anybody like that of like, get ahead. And then some people have taken that to insane places where before Shane became so, uh, uh, the professional content and premium aspect of like event based releases. He went, he took bat shooting to a degree that I never even saw anybody do, which was like just bringing in because he was the collab. He went into the whole collab world of just going, all right, YouTubers come in and every week I have them and I shoot something with them and then it's the next one. And so he would just bring in all these YouTubers all day long, just bat shoot everybody out. And even react the way that we well, shoot it is almost like a bot shot. Is this like back with his skits? It was past the skits. It was once he moved over to the Shane channel and made it into basically a collab channel during the time the collab was booming mm -hmm. and becoming like, that's what everybody on YouTube is doing were those very simple, like, I promote your channel. We're gonna, hey guys, go to their channel for this, but on here, right. we're doing this. Shane right. just made that into like an enterprise. It's just like a system. It was beautiful. Now, for you, like when you uh, go through the, the process of back shooting, I, I really appreciate mm -hmm. you giving us the details on, hey, you can't do it in three. We're not not doing it right. at all type yeah. thing. Um, that depends now. Yeah. But how yeah. much in advance do you actually plan the th that shoot? Like getting the thumbnail, getting the title, what it's going to be about, you know, the whole process behind it? Because it seems like you're very process driven. Mm -hmm. Like how much time do you usually spend on that that portion of it? So we have we a... Have, uh, 10 or 11 producers. I mean, so they're the ones really handling this stuff now. Um, but we still are involved to help build the process, maintain it, help refresh it. Um, but you could look at um, if it is an Adults React episode uh, or an Adults React shoot coming up, then it's pretty much uh, two days before that because that show it has to have one of those episodes be what we call lightning, which is has a whole specific process to make an episode that comes out a day and a half after we shoot it. Oh, then the wow. second episode that we're shooting is called Quick Turnaround, and that comes out a week after. So it has a specific process of how what that goes through. And the, the lightning has like a staggered schedule for the editor that's going to come on later in the day and work till midnight and this so that we get as fast as possible for the producer coming in the next morning to look at it again. Oh, that's awesome. Then the third is more of an evergreen, doesn't have to be as topical so that it can release two weeks later and still be okay. So that's where a lot of different new types of formats happen. We always come up with new things or it's just like a band to react to. And it, it's not that there was a, a release of their album in that moment or a music video that just came out. It's more like, oh, it's an anniversary of Britney Spears, 20, 20th anniversary of Hit Me Baby One More Time came out, which did happen October 2018 of like, oh, well, we can shoot that and then plan that it's going to come out a little later or it's OK when it can come out two months right. later, even if it needs to. Every show has a different kind of thing to what I just went through that has, but these do become things that come processes that you can then replicate. 
for different things. And that's why we're continuing to think about how we can keep scaling for other people and help other people scale because we want to bring on producers that have ideas and can do this and we can help them do these things. We observed also like you had to separate the idea of programming and production. Mm -hmm. And those were, those used to kind of live all in one. I think in a, in a YouTuber's head, right? That you try, there's everything, analytics, socially, everything's living in one. And if you're to scale a, a creator founded business, right? But part of my job is isolating all of those pieces into scalable units. And, and one of those is pro. So, so Rafi has this, mind of of incredible programming of thinking about when and why like that's too late that's the right time to do that or like that thing's over uh and it's fascinating and then meanwhile you have a, a team that's that's okay i guess we're scrapping that you have production who's thinking about exactly how to execute that at any given moment there's a natural tension it's it's healthy good. inside yeah. because <laughs> programming's ordering the show it's sort of your network side and studios making them um and i think as you start to get bigger that that has to that that tension is healthy and and we also realize like about when shows are not doing well sometimes you have to cancel them or or decrease the order well if you're the producer on a show you're not really going to cancel, cancel your me. own show <laughs> please you know? cancel me i'm cancel not doing me. well please, like, please cancel me right. that helps filter all of that right you, you have analytics right and, and we do yeah we, we have play a play with a, a, a mesh of the produce the producing team needs to understand like the producers we believe in like they they're involved it's not just pre-production, production, and post-production. We then have, like, we have different terms for it, but we've called it post-post or live coverage, et cetera, that, like, yeah. you have to be a part of that, too. You have to understand that as a showrunner, as a producer. You can't just stop at post and the analytics people take over. Yeah, you can't <laughs> yeah. pass that off. I think yeah, we do have an insights internal operations team. Yeah. Fantastic people and really yeah. optimize and do, do give us that edge. But when you really talk about, like, a show being canceled or not, you're, you're talking about... The troop, that's power. And I mean, you're, you're talking about these 32 million subscriber channels. These are real, these are just like network level decisions that you have to have. And we realize as an organization that like, you know, someone who's just an analytics person isn't going to be empowered in the org to do that. And the producer isn't necessarily going to be motivated and they have an incentive right. not to. So we, we really started to elevate the idea of programming within the org. And it's something we're continuing to do is like, do we... Do we really go full and say, let's have a head of programming? And it's something we're right now mm -hmm. I've thought about. Wow. And, and so, and there was one other part that you were asking, which was like how much is kind of done in that beginning step. And right now I'd say that there's probably like nine or 10 questions that are answered in that first step on Greenlight of like what's happening with that episode or what type of episode is it? What does it need for the thumbnail? Like what do they need to, you know, et cetera. I literally have a, a thing that I built last week because processes just never stop that I want to build that out to be like 50 questions that they actually have to answer yeah, because the sure. company has evolved and I wanted people to really understand that like this will always change. We're going to always add this into a Google form that you need to fill out that answers all <laughs> these different questions that well, it's going to spit out to yeah. everybody. It's going to spit out to programming. It's going to spit out to the talent bookers. It's going to spit out to PR. It's going to spit yeah. out to everybody because you need to ask, is this a PR worthy episode? Is this going to go up on IGTV? Is this going to be a part of Zumo? Like, it's just like, is this going to go on Snapchat? When does that have to, like, there's so many questions. Doing the monitor the comments because this is yeah. a sensitive topic. I it's a controversial topic. 99.9% yeah. .9 of the creators that are out there don't think this way. Like, no. they, they don't. Well, and it, it, it's refreshing to see it, like, 100% that you're going through the processes. And I think that's the reason why you'll be able to scale mm -hmm. where you're at with all the different well, programs. There, there, there is right. an area where the creators are seeing it this way. And the majority of the top creators, China. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's an area of focus that we've been having and we've yeah. been watching very close. I've been like paying a very close attention to China and what's been happening over there for about eight years. And over there where they call like craters or influencers, they actually call them KOLs, key opinion leaders. Uh, there we go. Hey. And, 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 um, <laughs> don't break that here. I don't want another term. <laughs> no more terms, please. <laughs> oh, we got it right. Yeah. Well, they, they also use the word MCN. Oh, no, no. I've been tell, uh, all the people I've been meeting with over there are like, do not use that word in the West. <laughs> it's like, whenever you leave this country, just don't right. use Nobody's going to want to be a part of this. Yeah. Well, well, some of these people that call them MCNs are these organizations um, that own like 300 different channels mm-hmm. um, across Douyin or um, WeChat or Weibo. Mm-hmm. And um, one group specifically um, owns the largest KOL or influencer on Douyin, which is the, one of the fastest growing platforms right now in China. And it's the fastest on a mobile device. When you say own, do you mean that they own those influencers yes. channels? Like almost like what Grace Helbig so, went through or something? No, like, no. And they own they it? They own a hundred percent of it. Wow. So, so this is, so this is, so, and that so gets, this, intru- that gets, well, this, that's where the try guys go through the problems that they go through. And that's right. where Epic Rap Battles goes through problems that they go, like that's where. But for some reason over yeah. here, and again, they're, they're fine us. with it. We're not fine with it. Yeah, right. They're behind us, but they're also well ahead of us. Mm. So there's one individual specifically, Miss Yeah. Um, she's one of the largest um, creators on Doing, mm. and she was first an employee for this what they call you know MCN or network or um, I, I like to call a studio or a production company. Mm. And and you know as an employee came up with a couple of ideas and they create a couple of videos, she exploded mm-hmm. and now she still works there and she manages a big team. And, and you go through their offices and they have several, they have, they have, they have, you know, they have several hundred employees and they have several um, different um, floors that they're on. And you see basically a picture of a creator and like a, a team of like, you know, like three rows around this creator's picture wow. working on their work <laughs> right. and then they're optimizing. Right. They're creating, you know, a content, um, calendar. They're 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 t- figuring out brand deals, mm-hmm. and it's thriving. And some of these yeah. creators have like twenty million followers, but average around fifteen to twenty million views a video, and usually post about four videos a day. Wow! So like th- things oh. over there. I mean, and again, I don't I don't know everything around the transparency or how the algorithms work, but my gut tells me that there's just a huge demand for content over there. Mm. And so I'm bringing it back to you. You know, hearing that context, um, have you guys had thoughts of, you know, you, you, you have a lot of programs happening through the FBE um, channel. Um, have you guys thought of creating a much bigger variety of channels and like just really scaling this to a whole other level? I, like 300 I think, channels. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, but I think Rafi hit on this a little bit. I think, I think some of this is cultural, right? The way the, way the, the Chinese uh, operate and Americans operate. And I think, like, let's... Be honest, we're also in Los Angeles. There's the the Hollywood system is here as well. I think there is a reality to when, especially when the talent become very very valuable. There's always sort of this disconnect between the interests of the company and like what's happening and the power that is a disconnect. You're just not paying them. The, We've seen that time and time again oh, yeah. in each of these digital companies that have been going through this. You know mm-hmm. that people do end up having to leave because, like I mentioned them right away. It's like Grace Helbig is the try guys. Like you keep having this. 
like people are trying to figure it out right now, including us. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're exploring like, what does that look like? How do we, especially with actually working with some more regular talent that you actually like, what is, what is doing hot ones for us look like? And then what would the business deal that you would do with someone who you're starting out on that venture with? Uh, and we we were now we're just starting to break the ground there with some new concepts that I think you'll see. Yeah, and it's different for them because they're not investing. I mean, I mean, they, right. they're not taking all the risk. If anything, this is something that's going to skyrocket their career. Right. Yeah, and I th- I still think that yeah we want to find the way to do it really right by the creative. Like, if this is going to be almost helping people to become like if hey you were two people in your apartment. And we all like, look, 82 people could be working for you. And like these ideas of like, can we scale our operation smartly to have these buckets that are like helping them do these variety of things? Can you not build a system for them to plug into that system really well to help them achieve their dreams and achieve their goals and have an amazing community themselves? And I say like, I'm not even meaning this as a like uh, an influencer necessarily. It can be, but I think it's far more of just like anything that is a community, like yeah. helping build communities well, is really the, the idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's where everything is going. The Game of Thrones community. It's exactly. like anything is a community more than it is a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and one thing that's been really frustrating for me when people use the term influencer mm-hmm. or, or creator or or um, digital celebrity. They usually try to position. So sometimes there's lots of groups that position them as celebrities. I think this is the next um, um, generation of actors and actresses. Well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> but it's really the future of television. This is where television is going. It's much bigger, and and there's more variety than there ever has been before. I know they and can't realize that uh, it has ever been. They can't realize that the new Johnny Carson is. Exactly. They can't realize that Jimmy Fallon is ninja. Like they, I, like those are both controversial names in their own degrees. But like, also, it's like that's part of where also a lot of television people were controversial and had various things that have happened. And yes, we just stumbled into more levels of controversy with more levels of transparency, more levels of openness that people have. But people seem to not connect the idea that when people go Johnny Carson, it was like he was part of the family. We brought him into our home and he brought us into his. It's like that's the same exact thing everybody says about Twitch and about all the YouTubers. It's like you, Walt Disney was the first vlogger. You would be like, hi, welcome. This is about what I'm doing. And like you would do that on TV. It's like, but for some reason we can't make those connections. Uh, we, we were very scared actually, actually and fearful. I thought of it that way that, that Walt Disney was the first vlogger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think things are going to become even more disruptive. Yeah, and and yeah. and I think it's going to be coming from the more traditional talent side. I mean, a lot of these people that have Jack Black just now. Yeah, sure. Oh my gosh! Give all these you know creators you know the, the, these mainstream celebrities, musicians, actors, actresses that have you know fifty plus million followers on Instagram. When when they figure it out, and when they figure out how to create content, when they figure out that there's a way for them to make even more money than than getting paid through doing films or TV shows as actors and actresses. That's where I think there's going to be a really big shift, mm-hmm. and with media consumption, when when these people like yourselves build teams around them and and start creating their own studios and productions, and it's all about really it's for the community. It's like yeah. it's all to try to find the way that like helps even these new this new generation that we all would not even be talking right now if it wasn't that the that kids were basically like it. 
it started with like young millennials that are now old millennials. Right. Uh, but then everybody after them uh, that was like, no, we want something different. Like, and it's like, but do you really? And let, and that's where 10 years had to almost go by and see, are they going to stick around? It was a very awkward 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, are you wanting to hang Pretty out with sure. anybody? Yeah. And then it was like, it was amazing. If anything, they just kept being like more than expected yeah, to and, and that never was the big turn thing. back. It's like, oh, it's just a fad. It's going to go yeah. away. It's not exactly what it wants. But no, like the writing's on the wall mm -hmm. that that was in the process of changing. And either you understand the audience, what the, uh, the audience wants, or you're going to literally kind of disappear, you know, yeah. with things that are going on. And I, I, I've been impressed. It's even more ruthless today oh my than gosh, it was yes. back then because mm. shows would get canceled, nothing personal. But today it's like, uh, I'm not getting any more views and my audience doesn't love me as they once did. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, and some things are like, yeah, it's interesting. You think like, what is a show now when it is the person's life? It's like Truman's show forever. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't really like all of them are going through that because they go through their relationships and that's when they spike or they get a baby and that's when they spike. Yeah. And like, it's so interesting of like these things that are what is just the future of entertainment now. It's not really a show. It's that you're used to that has like a season and whatever. It's just watching somebody that's going to be live you know, 10 hours a day that you can watch them play video games for 10 hours a day and you hang out with them. And we have employees that literally leave uh, various Twitch channels on while they're editing. It's like ASMR for them. Like <laughs> it's like having a friend playing, you know, when you used to like read a book and your and your friend would be playing a video game. Yeah. You know, you would, but you'd be hanging out and doing two things at once and doing work while people are like doing this or that. Mm -hmm. And like, so we have employees that fully just have that on to help them just kind of like go about their day and like, and, Maybe Mark doesn't know that, and uh, he's like, "We need to, we need to stop it. We need to stop this." So it's bandwidth. I'm really <laughs> so. no. I, I think it's it's interesting, and I think more so um, if the brand or the creator or the business doesn't really understand the audience, they're going to literally be left behind. And that awkward 10, 10 years uh, mm. that happened, I think we're going to see another uh, another uh, ten years, ten years of that, yeah. you know, down the road. And I think. What's really interesting, and I don't think people really understand Generation Z very well, um, it's, it's a different way that they consume content, a different tolerance level. Um, it's really, really interesting. And are you looking that far ahead? So, okay, Generation Z, like, like, how are we going to get this audience? How are we going to retain that with this content? Z, at least, like, we're like, I what think you guys got that? We have a very, yeah, we have Z um, for the most part. And like, it, I think that ours has been a bit more. What we're fortunate about is that we did create a format that created a great funnel for getting people to want to come in and see what else we're doing. Right. Uh, the and that's the thing we have like a a list of like twenty three things. It's like if you're creating a show, look at these twenty three things to try to make it as successful as possible. If you check every one of the boxes of the twenty three, then you have something that could become like React, and you could look at other things like. Uh, honest trailers or uh, game theory, like some of these things that kind of have can stand the test of time, can be around forever, like do all these kinds of things and hit topicality really well and hit SEO really well. So you end up being able to find uh, a new audiences because you're covering what's culturally relevant all the time. Mm -hmm. And so the show is like if we're going to talk about the latest music artists, <coughs> the latest movie, the latest memes, like all this stuff, you're going to be getting people of all ages and so we've tended to see though that it for at least what we do 
And because there is more thought even behind it, it isn't just ah, crazy fun that right. little kids need, uh, especially on YouTube, who like people are going right after those kids, like hardcore going after trying to get them to watch them. Like, like uh, Flippy? What was the guy's dude, name? Like, guy's brilliant. He has okay. like the best business model My ever daughter's three loves him. Amazing. Which, who is this? Um, is it Blippi? I yeah. think it is Blippi. I have a three-year-old so, so daughter. Like, I, I'm telling <laughs> you. Know, oh, that algorithm is into working, kids, YouTube, guys. Yeah. He dresses like a clown, kind of. Uh, and it's, it's like a one-shot vlog, um, sort of, where he's playing with toys and then he yeah. hate living his line. So that's not our audience. Like, we don't <laughs> get it, that audience. We gotta, yeah. gotta get with What was it? Right? <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Oh, yeah. Right. No, but, yeah. but, it, but it is. So we've, like, we've been able to get capture, I guess, inside of like, we see that people like watching us when they're when they start at like eleven or twelve because they're already aspiring to be a teenager and they're already wanting to think a little bit more. Yeah. And we don't tend to get younger than that. And when we even make content like that, our older audience, even the parents that are watching, don't really want to watch that younger content. Right. And so that's where we even talked about of how do you not stray trying to find a new audience too much? Is like you can your bandwidth and who you have and even 82 people that time goes away really fast of like what do you have them focus on and so the idea to make enough content that is going to be good that like kids that watch blippy are going to want to also watch fbe not necessarily what it's we're looking to do yeah <laughs> but the question is like when a new platform comes out like when do you say oh let's go ahead and attack and put the resources yeah. behind that we like, talk about that all the time <laughs> but we do we're dealing with that with a couple things right now. Oh, please yeah. enlighten us. So, well, look, I, I, <laughs> we, we, have to, we have to be really honest. Is there a business there? And we, we're very quick to identify. First of all, you can look very quickly. Is there an ad product right. yet there or not? So for Snap, for us, you know, we, we sort of say, okay, this is, the, this is interesting enough. What, what's happening? Discover. You've got a very unique dynamic there. You've got sort of a homepage, a little bit of algorithm, but you, you have a very curated experience. Uh, it's a bit of scarcity, so let's give this a shot. Um, pretty good programmatic ad product. A lot of ads are firing off. If you get retention, which we were doing, we started really getting, frankly, the numbers are starting to come in, and we're like, okay, but now this is this is worth investing more resources into. Is that when you, like, double down? Like, once you have that first initial test, we did, through, yeah. Even, like, right now, we're doubling what's going on on Snapchat yeah, because we, we're see, we build yeah. different P&Ls pretty much for each of these things. We'll just literally yeah. look. So there is a Snapchat P&L for the company that's like, well, the money that goes into Snap is based off of what it's bringing in. And that's where we're not going to fall into some of the traps of a lot of the other companies last year that we all right. saw go, yeah. go away so quickly right. when it didn't, when it was like, how is this, what's going on? Didn't they have a plan? Didn't they have a, a strategy there to not just fall to the wayside after a day, you know, like just being like, and hey, we have to shut our doors tomorrow. And that's where FBE yeah, has never yeah. been like, we're never willing to do that. That's why we stay profitable. And that's now even it's great having Mark on board. It was another person that understands operationally how to think that way too. And really focus on that as we think about a new platform and how do we try to get on there and be smart and not take too many risks. You, you, you basically have to treat your business analytics like like as, as seriously as you treat your YouTube analytics. And that's given us edge. We literally have a PNL for every single video. And we know, because you can look at all the raw materials into it, because it's it, in a way you're sort of, I don't like using a factory analogy, but you're making a car, but the, every little car is different, has some of the same pieces, but sometimes you might spend a little too much on, 
on props or some crazy challenge that you did and it didn't perform. And so you can really like objectively look at that. And now, of course, you got your money from YouTube. You got it, if the video goes onto Facebook, that picks up revenue there. We might find, okay, that creative, well, it didn't really win on YouTube, actually found it. It, it was an elders and the NFL reacting to that NFL anthem. And maybe that picked up on Facebook and it had a life there. So we can start to look at the same video assets. We shot the master asset and then it, it's throughout its life. It's almost like film ultimates, sort of where you would look at like, because I used to have a film distribution company and we'd, you, you'd look at that. You'd look at all the like, here's my iTunes money, my Amazon and so forth. And then so you could value an acquisition. We were buying documentaries this way. So similarly, we're looking at that. We're valuing like, okay, was it worth doing that shoot and so then but then you've got these platforms that will come to us all the time you get your in your inbox or whomever it's like we'll do a rev share but you, you very quickly see there's no there there right. and you see there's no audience and you look there's no there's no business uh, so yeah. I, I had a follow-up question and it's more going down a different vein you kind of yeah. introduced something here that i find fascinating but how do you track? I mean, if you're doing, you said 40 videos a week, or is it 20? 20 videos a week. 20, 20 videos original, week. not releasing. And releasing. Yeah. Like, yeah. you'd be shooting who knows how, how much. How in the world do you track all that? Like, do you have a team? Do you have a system? Do you have proprietary <laughs> software? Uh, we, we, I would say at this point, we've built proprietary tools. We've, I mean, using really good software that's out there. Right? Airtable is a product I really yeah. recommend. Yeah. That's, that's like Google product. Sheets on steroids. You're able to ingest massive amounts of data. Um, and try, we use that across production and uh, in, in really production finance. And it's, it's really wild to so like, you can break it down. You yeah. have your dashboards. Okay, here's, here's where everything's at. Oh, this is, didn't perform here on YouTube, but it did on, on Facebook. And, you know, the CPMs are higher here, whatever it may be. I mean, it's got to ingest. There's so many inputs, right? You have, you have a PA running out to go get the, like, random video game that's, like, right. this retro video game. And it goes on an Amex card, and that has to get coded all the way back to that video it's episode. Like a nightmare. <laughs> oh, it's, it's been it's a ton of work. Uh, like that, and honestly, it's, it has been a a nightmare of sorts until like bringing on Mark to be able to like think through of like we have all these ideas. What should we focus on? What actually makes sense of how to continue to try to figure out how to build these communities? And we're still in the infancy of it to build all the tools that then can be laid out nicely to be able to be like, okay, great, now we can just plug something in. But it's been a lot of coding a lot of model building wow yeah. it's, it's the only way to build a business isn't full of bullshit you know yeah. like that isn't like that i think we're Actually all tired of doing i i was tired of the bullshit in the digital industry and the like <laughs> saying this and is Mark what goes I way back with like <laughs> this this industry of like yeah. having to deal with everybody when he founded two filter and being around every one of the original Hyped. web oh, series yeah. Oh, yeah. filmmakers and everything so like it's just it's never stopped and like and i think that we finally hit I think the absolute like climax of it with last year with the defies and the super deluxes yeah. like that was just like okay can we all be honest about what we all are and we actually probably could have gotten farther along at this point if we were all honest the whole time yeah, and that would like but that's not how business works yeah it's well, not how people are <laughs> well it's interesting to see right now like which businesses are thriving mm -hmm. so obviously the creators, the creators mm -hmm. that are figuring out how to scale, you know, th that was the smartest business model. Mm -hmm. Then you have management companies. There are management companies that do a good job, and there's creators that don't build up teams and they need a management company. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's thriving. And then there's companies kind of like Ben, where mm -hmm. it's like, you know, tech slash, you know, um, um, specialized agency to help brands navigate the space. 
you know, for a while there, for a good five years, people were just trying to make up business plans and like, or take on 20 different business plans mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. It was a horrible business acumen. Mm -hmm. But the ones that ended up thriving and continue to grow um, are these three that I just listed. Mm -hmm. And it's because, you know, they're business plans that are proven. They've been around for a long time. And even in this new world, they're thriving. Mm. And, and, and anyways, I remember, you know, at E3, you mentioning you're bringing on Mark. I was like, wait, 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 you're the CEO. And, 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 and that's when you know. I'm stepping down. And, and that's when you know that you're talking to someone that really is good at business and is, is all about growth is when they're like, okay. Oh, well, thank you. I need someone yeah. else to come in right. and, and, and take this area over and take it to the next level. I'm going to focus on these other things. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean it shows that you're, you're you know, I mean, the, the business is really important. You want it just to continue to go up and you don't, and you want to just make sure it's, you know, doing the best possible. And that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's the kind egos of... Egos like me have a hard time doing that sort of thing. <laughs> I think, I think, <laughs> I, think it, I think it plays into, and like now we're having such great conversations around, it plays around in that, like you want to put people that are smarter than you in like either smarter than you overall or smarter than you in various areas that you're not as strong in. Best, I mean, you have to figure out how to do that and, and be humble in that way. Cause it is like, it doesn't work when you're not like that or you become like, Stanley Kubrick or something and you, you get multiple documentaries made about you about how you know two different people gave up their entire lives to literally become your slave and it's fascinating because I'm, it's almost like I would have loved to become Stanley Kubrick's slave in a way it's like I, I'm a tireless worker in that way just like some of these people but when you, when you see film worker or, or uh, S is for Stanley the two documentaries about that it's like do you really want to be that person that like is that crazy and like that egomaniacal in a way even though you're brilliant but like, man, like, do you, you just want underlings and like that you just like are a dictator for? No, you want to build something that like is an interesting family business, it, you know, corporation, etc. And know? it can live on its own. Yeah. I yes. Mean, I mean, and that's right. how you can really diversify and try find true growth. Now, I've been very impressed with your operation for a while now. I mean, you know, was it like nine years ago when we worked together? Yeah. I never saw this happening. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I, I thought you guys were just like artsy fartsy. You know, <laughs> you know, little videos. I think back then there was a bit more of like that we had a specific vision. Like we came from the ilk of like Kevin Smith was our God right. and we're going to make a feature film every year and we, yeah. we have ideas that we need to say and that was all we were going to necessarily do well, versus you, you it being... You feel the creativity. Right. And, 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 and it's just been amazing to see that channeled and and grow yeah. like it has. But, you know, we've done, you know, a, a good amount of work yeah. over the years, you know, business-wise, work with different brands. And um, what are your thoughts? What, what are the futures there? What, what, what is the future of brands working with creators? Mm. Is it going to change? Is it going to remain this the same way that it has? I mean, what are your thoughts? I, I think the market's unsettled right now. We, uh, we're, I see headwinds, at least for us at the moment, but we're, well, like, there's a lot to get into here. You've got what effectively is the commoditization of the influencer category, uh, seeing pricing pressure, uh, and like, which is which is really like you could just like, well, I'll get views over here, I'll get views over here. Not thinking about the contextual relevance of what it means. Like when we, I because I know when we hit the brand integration on, like we really hit the ball squarely. It's our audience knows it. It's a hundred percent organic, incredible engagement. 
and there's there's real follow through. Um, we did it with a dating app recently, and we found a way. And, and I've never said like we literally put that product on screen for the entire video because you're watching because it, was, it, was, it yeah. is the app. It was it was Hinge, the dating app, and they we we the the creative was our elders were coming in and sort of surprising our college kids who were single and they were going to they were going to fill out uh, their dating profiles a lot help them basically. figure out like um, what how thirsty should a thirsty pick be you know like, <laughs> so it's intergenerational play they learned what thirst picks were it's it's fascinating and uh, and then they're interacting with people and it makes for a great video and you're persistent view of it all but at the same time in the market, which is, you know, with MCNs out there sort of basically giving you the massive diner menu of like all of these, or it's MCNs and many other places, agencies and, and whatnot, giving you like, you get these influencers or those and not, um, I don't think telling the story. We realized we needed to tell our story better as a brand. We needed to come out as a brand. And what is FB? And we're, we're going through this process right now because I still think for we're probably somewhere in a lot of decks, there's a picture of Benny and Rafi Fine, and it says the Fine Brothers. And I'm, I'm just I like, guarantee that. Yeah. And that may, that may be even things that are live in no, market. No, we second. have people coming up to us saying, yeah, we represent exclusively the FBE. And we're, we're like, really? Uh, that, well, there's about 15 people that say that. I mean, and, and that's, yeah. that's happening across the board with, with, hmm. with all the like, top 15. Yeah, I, and, yeah. and it's so for, for us, it's 2019 is a year of actually realizing that, like, we're going to take it into our own hands. We're not going to let other people settle our and tell our story. And we have to. It's build direct relationships with brands and agency partners and think about like like for like in my experience, you always want to get ahead, solve problems before it's gotten to the R or help help construct the, the, the problem before the RFP. Um, and I, I was lucky to be on the agency side. I actually, was on the other side of a, an FBE deal for Cats. Another React. one that, yeah, from back it was. I think Cats it's the most successful. <laughs> must have worked out. It was <laughs> twenty-one million <laughs> views. Yeah. Well, that's that. why I didn't get this offer, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I was fighting for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'd say that maybe on the just the creators overall, I think it's what we always keep all talking about, but seemingly has just not happened, which is. It's just the endorsement model, I think, far more like the true lean in with brands to be a part of the relationships with influencers, like one, like people that are by themselves, like the the longer uh, relationships that I don't understand why they still aren't happening from both a sure. creator level and then a media company level of like truly being able to have a story that you're telling. And I think a company like FBE where we have vlogs that we put out all the time and we're having right. a Snapchat story and we're having an Instagram story, like you could be a part of our DNA. Like that's what I've said to brands before. It's just like, you could go ahead and work with somebody that's gonna make that one video and maybe buy their true view views or whatever. It's like, we actually have a community. We make the content where people actually engage and you can see it from all the numbers and we're going to be able to fully make it that like, we want the the audience wants to know that the brand is helping keep the lights on. Like it, you know, this is all something that they could be a part of, and I think that they're still just looking at it as the ad hoc, like last minute, sure. you know, get the one Check it thing. Off the list. It's like it's like oh my god, and we have we've had some great uh, wins by working with like Major League Baseball in a long campaign. Crunchyroll has been a 
Like it's one, it's almost like one long campaign, but it's just every time we just keep find every finish one, and we're like, we gotta do something else, yeah. and and well, it's, it's probably because it's performing. Current yeah. rule, like, yeah. I'm assuming, is is very direct response focused. Yeah, like yeah. If, if it's driving conversions, Correct. it's working, and that's just gonna create a long lasting relationship. And I just think you're finding those are what's important, and I think that that's the the brand relationship or the brands that are gonna be smart enough to understand who's real and who's not. And who to actually lean in far more with? Well, and, and it's a process the brand needs. The brand needs to create, you know, on their own. Mm-hmm. Like, like one thing we should help them build the process. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, I'm going to explain that. Like, like from, from from my perspective, what we tell the brand is say, look, work with several creators. Work with like you know, like a dozen or a couple dozen. Mm-hmm. Figure out which ones you work with the most, you know, smoothly. Which ones perform the best, and then from there, you know, try yeah. to create like an ambassador or a partnership where you know they, where you can be a part of their DNA and it's consistent. And and as they grow, you grow. Yeah. And 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 there's a lot of brands that want to do that, but I think a lot of times they they try to do a one-off here or there, and sometimes they miss the target or they or they, they look beyond the mark. And that one-off that they're so stubborn to work with probably isn't the best fit or isn't very passionate about their brand. And that's why you have to diversify, dance with several before you decide to get married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And it needs to be more long-term too. Sure. A lot of it, like that one-off is what makes the experience bad in a mm-hmm. lot of cases, especially for the audience and especially for the creator. But if it's more of a long-term, hey, we really believe in this company. Even if it's a one-off, that. it never has to It doesn't bad. feel like yeah. you're trying to get exactly, away with something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, one-offs should never be bad. I mean, even if it's just like a one-time, like you know, sponsorship. I've seen I, some pretty bad one-offs. Well, well, I'm sure. I'm sure. I have too. But, oh, I but, bet you have. But but you know, if you if you come to the table and you and you know, the brand knows their role in the process. You know your role in the process, yeah. and and everything is you know you reach a consensus. We call it the tr- consensus triangle, where the brand and the creator they reach a consensus, and you know the brand shares the objectives of the vision. The creators come up with the creative solution because you know what the content needs to be like, and now the brand needs to be positioned. And then, as a result, you know the, the audience is happy, yeah. and 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 that can happen ongoing, the ongoing relationship. But that can happen within one time. But it needs to happen if it's going to be a one-time um, gig or deal. It needs to happen that one time, especially if you want it to be a long-term relationship. Because Absolutely. if you yeah. do it right. The, the metrics will be there, the data will be there, right, and right, the brand right. is smart about doing ongoing campaigns and optimization, they'll work with you on, you know, right. for, for more long term. Right. Mm-hmm. So what, yeah, what advice yeah. would you have for, I mean, you've done a lot of brand deals and mm-hmm. you have a lot of creative out there. What, what advice would you have for people making the decisions on the brand side, how to work with creators like, like you guys? I, gosh, great question. I, I, think, I think to sort of just take take the time to actually sit down with creators. I think I, hopefully that's, it sounds like it's part of your process. I think the marketplace doesn't actually allow for this to happen that often. Um, a lot of gatekeeping. I, yeah. Cause I, I remember when I was on the agency side, I, I, I we literally brought the like client yeah. out from St. Louis sat in the studio and it was like there, even the, the brand was, was like uncomfortable of how janky <laughs> the studio was <laughs> and how, like where, so where we're somewhere in the chair. valley, above a 7-Eleven or something. I like it was it not was, anymore. Not new. It was, yeah. it was at the time. At, <laughs> yes. at the time. It, years it, ago. It was, yeah. It had that um, right feel to be like, you're here with us, like be, and be a part of us. Like that's what we're doing. And yeah, to be like, uh, to, to be open-minded that there, that there's like, you're actually getting, so you're getting even better experience 
expertise in some cases than your agency can give you about what's really happening with sort of internet culture, content, and so I better expertise. Oh yeah, yeah. let's let's I mean, be honest. We, we even treat it, it that way when we're working with a brand, and if we're if they're willing to actually open up, or the agency is willing to let us be in conversation, we treat it like we're inside of a consultancy during that time period. Like we are teaching them about the algorithm and because they'll say, oh, whoa, 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 you want this to, this is 11 minutes. Why is it 11 minutes? Can't this be five? And we're like, no, the algorithms don't work that way anymore. Like all of a sudden, they can't believe they're getting some of that knowledge and expertise for them to use in the future. And that's how we treat it. But I guess the, so it's the advice is the answer to your question uh, would be, I mean, it's both ways. I guess it was advice for the brands or advice for the creators. Oh, advice for the brands. It was advice for the, yeah, to, to respect what the creator is that you're getting that that level of consultancy I think is is really important and not look at them as just a views or you know a quick little just the insignificance of it or the sort of commodity of it all. my advice would be to try to try to find somebody that's coming out of this world as best you can to hire and get them into a position of leadership of some sort or power of their their opinion matters yeah. uh, because I definitely think that we're going just like how we've all watched over these last 15 years of this like all these people it's amazing to see where they've all ended up because of the expertise right. that they've been a part of um, and I think I'm not sure if he's still there but I remember uh, Will of DC uh, oh, yeah. I, I can't help but call them by their YouTube name <laughs> yeah <laughs> ended up, he went up to San Francisco yeah. ended up yeah. over at Ubisoft but like these kinds of things I think are going to be so much part of like how do you actually find the people that are going to truly understand this to be able like you get such an edge in that way and I think all companies are doing that even us we're trying to always look at the right. people out there to be like oh man like wouldn't it be great if they would want to work here like because they know so much and we're all still doing our own thing and when somebody, uh, like, if you're able to get somebody to pop over to your organization, it's incredible, like, what you now learn every day and the relationships they have even to open up. Uh, how do you help yourself actually understand this better versus starting from zero? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we've had a really great conversation. I have one last question I think is really important. Um, there's a lot of things that are disrupting the industry and the community. Like, what, what is getting you guys the most excited, you know, Things that are happening right now that you're like, oh man, this is this is great. Like DTC, uh, DTC, yeah. commerce, like actually the show. You know, it's one thing to hawk somebody else's product, so to speak. It's a right. totally different thing where the show itself has product built into it that you're you own that product and you yeah. can sell it to the consumer. Obviously, you are the brand yeah. at all times. I mean, yeah. You know, and you see that from influencers doing that, from like even like Jake Paul, Logan Paul, like of how they build a brand and they're their own brand. And Rooster Teeth has been really good about right. always being about their own brand and being like they're the sponsor in a lot of ways. That It's a whole other way of reason why things have ended up having such a struggle in this industry because we're trying to live off of the ads per, you know, the CPMs. Yeah. And so that's a whole new era coming is the idea of how do you actually build shows and influence around your own product. We reorged our company to have a direct-to-consumer department, and there is now a team uh, that does that focuses entirely on direct-to-consumer. Um, we even acquired uh, a, a small business that makes pins, uh, enamel pins, uh, called Officially Pinned, and they, it has Shane's official pin and a whole bunch of other top uh, YouTube talent. So it's for the, it's for the first time, FB selling something that isn't just a, a logo slapped on a T-shirt. 
Because that, that really wasn't even like a big selling thing right. for us. It's like buying an NBC t-shirt. It doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, some people buy it. But but the uh, <laughs> but now you get, you but like, and so pins is, is one thing. You're kind of going down that road. But really where you get into is like, what's our game? I mean, our shows are games, right? There's many ways when you look at like, guess that, guess that or yeah. do they know it? They're like, what is, what's the version that the kid discovered? And maybe they're at college and they bring home for Thanksgiving and now they're playing an intergenerational family game at home mm -hmm. trying to see like, do you know that like 90s reference? And yeah. it's, it's keyed in and every time we have one of those videos pop of, of, of what it is, you're, we're, we're also selling you a game. Uh, so that's sort of where I And I think that that's yeah. all like, that is whatever you come up with, even what we were talking about, it could be an influencer that's basically like, it's a brand is the influencer. The brand could be whatever the like idea is for a business that, but there's content there. It's really anything that a community forms around. And that's now one of the things that you need to have as part of your 23 checkbox list of how to have something that you're not going to burn out. And it's going to be possible to keep going forever is you need something that's has revenue diversification. Absolutely. Like it, it cannot. And that what's great about OTT even and different things has been, Oh wow, your content can live on YouTube and Facebook and Snapchat and IGTV soon. And like, and then it gets on the Pluto and then it gets on the here, it gets on there. That's great. The RPM keeps adding up, but it's still not just going to be enough to build a team around and help you not burn out to be able to be successful and make something that like, isn't also going to live or die by an algorithm. Right. And, yeah. and you guys still do a lot of work where you sell your content to TV and mm -hmm. OTT. Yeah. Yeah, like we, we have the various relationships that we have that are with the like the Plutos and stuff like that to do things like that. But then also making TV shows still like we have a few that are still in development. At any given time, we have ones that are in development. Like I think it's been now that we've sold 17 TV shows into development. Five that have gone to wow. air. But See, yeah, that, I had no that, idea. That, that's right there. The industry's colliding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I, mean, that, I mean, that's the perfect example that happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did we announce our... The, Spring Hill. Oh, please do. Yeah, I can't remember whether that's public or not, but I, I don't it's think it's that big of an article. We have, I, think, I think it's, I think this was in the press, but, but um, uh, we, you know, so we took our try not to laugh series. Really, try not to is sort of the root format there. Partnering with Spring Hill Entertainment, LeBron James's company, right. and Telepictures, Warner Brothers, to make that a longer form game show. So it, it, it may be this. We'll see how it all. It's a development. There's lots of walkthroughs happening. It's very. It's in a slow, and it's you know, like it's a TV could take a year right. to, to it now. We'll see what it is. <laughs> uh, but it's exciting because it's it's IP that's like coming out of and, and really like creative. It's been battle tested in in the short form. We're still continuing to make it. Um, so it's exciting. It's definitely. But at the same time, you look at it and you're like. That's still, it's, you, you've got low probability of, of getting picked up. You don't control its fate. You, you don't control when it's going to get canceled. And you're really like, the margins aren't that great. Whereas like another hit format for us for digital is more valuable than a TV show. Mm -hmm. um, by and you can know, or, and you can know so much faster if it's a viable new P&L to build <laughs> versus the TV one that's going to be four seasons before you go, oh, now it really is making money for you. Yeah. TV takes forever because you have it always starts with a really bad deal. Right. Like you always have a really low amount of money that you make yeah. off of that deal. Oh, Everybody I thinks television count. shows make you money. Yeah. It's like, no, those 17 shows haven't made it. Turn down TV deals because of that. They yeah. understanding. Once they actually get it broken down, when when it's the biggest ones that you tend to deal with or, and such, yeah, they don't really get what like, the point wait, is. Way more money just uploading videos every day. My YouTube channel. And they're going to put in such like, cause I always like to 
make sure people understand it because it's it's not even about the money it's about them making content it's about them making something for their audience that have now started following them and so they end up just realizing the amount of work because they're going to work insanely hard on that tv show and they're going to have to go away from the things that they're doing online in so many ways and that's why there's a big like just meme basically about any youtuber that's talking about a youtube show uh, about a tv show is like well they're they're, they're you're not going to hear from them again they're going to end up dying as a channel or whatever it's always becomes a joke because it's happened a few times now. Well, over. Article 13 will take care of that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can guarantee you it's going to take care of it. Look at that. You brought it, you brought it back. You brought it back. Well, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Having a part of this. It was such an honor for us to have you guys here. And, and yeah, um, Article 13. I yeah, Everyone right here that's watching this podcast, listening to the podcast, please, we need to save memes. That's like the most important thing. <laughs> in all of humanity like literally like you wouldn't be able to laugh i wouldn't be able well, to laugh. well thankfully all of us are not wearing too much of a branded t-shirt right now because even things like that like exactly. article 13 can totally be like well do you have the rights right. to that right. t-shirt right. 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 yeah yeah do you have rights to t-shirts you have the right to that you put the poster on in the background it's like all those things are like all gonna come up inside of article it's a 13. free speech issue and this it's is crazy. like der our, the derivative culture is part of how we communicate with each other and you're you're actually inhibiting speech and so I think there's a that's what Gen Z is a problem. That's that, how they talk to each other. Oh, you're stopping is, the way that they talk. Yeah. Like uh, it is so crazy. So like my daughter um, is just loves memes to death. It's just like everything's meme driven, and every like I get like 50 memes a day. It's like oh, you gotta check this out. You know, it's like Star Wars cat or whatever. But when she's right now, she's like dedicating her life um, on a mission and, and what she's doing for uh, our church that we belong to. She goes out and teaches people and, you know, whatever. So she's like totally off the internet. Okay. And, you know, we get to talk to her a couple times a year and we email every, you know, pretty much every week. And she is going through meme withdrawal. Like literally <laughs> meme withdrawal. She's like, please, I need memes. Two a night, dad, here. please. <laughs> it's like two hours of TV. I just need, just give me two memes. Just, that's all it is. So I, I've been sending, I make her a couple memes and then send her a few that, that this there, but it's really interesting though, but it's like, that's how they communicate. Like literally yeah. that's how they communicate back and forth with each other. And this, you know, this article 13, if it takes that away, that's where you're going to have a lot of, a lot of disruption. Like a lot of people that are really, uh, uh, concerned that they can't communicate it the way they have been. Who right? will open a black market for memes? It, totally. <laughs> the dark web. Yeah, yeah. it's so cold. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Really, thank you. I've been uh, extremely fascinated with your content. Now I'm more fascinated with your company. I mean, mm. it was just, I had no idea it was as vast. I mean, 82 employees, that's just crazy. It's amazing. I, I don't think I could do 82 employees. Like that. <laughs> Any given day. No wonder, like it's, why, it's, no wonder why you quit from CEO and yeah. I was like, <laughs> it's I, like, I want to sleep at night. I built a process for me to become CEO for a period of time, figure out what that was, and then bring on somebody to take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys so much for coming on. It was great. And all of you that have been on this podcast, make sure you share this podcast with your friends because we're here all about disrupting the industry because why would we want to be in the standard norm, Ricky? Like, why would we want that? Gotta break out of the box.